time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Indiana edition, numero uno. <laughs> yes, we're broadcasting deep within the heart of the Midwest of the United States of America. And it's cold. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> feels good to be back on the air, though. And uh, today I've got uh, my middle child and oldest daughter, Christina, in the studio with me today. Say hi, Christina. Hello. No, you say, you're supposed to say hi, Christina. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that. Uh, so, uh, Christina, it's it's uh, bring your daughter to work day here in, in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how that works? I guess so. I guess so, yeah. So uh, we got a great edition of Fighting for the Faith lined up for you all today. Woot. Woot. That's right, your word. I've used your word on the program before. Yay. And uh, this, by the way, this is our very, very, very first uh, Fighting for the Faith broadcast from our new headquarters just north of Indianapolis, Indiana. Yep. So, in fact, we got a new uh, post office box. Uh, we'll lead off right there. Just change of address, folks. Change your, uh, go into your database eye <laughs> and change things up here. Uh, our new, uh, our new contact uh, address is post office box, uh, 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Gotta tell you, uh, the, uh, the move was complicated. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we're still in boxes and, uh, what, but we've got the studio up and running and it's looking good. For the most part, and uh, we've been we, actually we've uh, been running Pirate Christian Radio from the new studio since was it Thursday of last week, Wednesday or Thursday of last week? Yeah. And uh, and then we immediately we on Friday we went off to Chicago because uh, my son Joshua, the oldest kid in the bunch, he graduated from <laughs> uh, from basic training from boot camp from the Navy. And it was uh, that was uh, quite a, uh, an interesting event, and glad to see that Josh he's actually doing really well. Um, he's got a great attitude, and he's loving the Navy, so uh, it, that always helps. And he had some great stories to regale us with. And so uh, my wife and I spent the weekend with my son up in Chicago, and we got here late, <laughs> late, late afternoon yesterday. And it's I've been going at Mach five with my hair on fire. <laughs> Trying to get the the rest of the studio set up so that we can do Fighting for the Faith today. <clears throat> Looks good, Dad. You, you like it? Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, it's decorated in modern pirate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what of our modern pirate? Is. You don't. You know. This is modern pirate. I mean, this, this is right here. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. We. If you. Uh, <laughs> I, maybe I should put take some photographs and put them on the web, right? I think people would like that. Yeah, okay. Let me pray about that. <laughs> Your office looks awesome. Yeah, all right. Well, hey, if, if the if the daughter says it looks awesome, then it has to look awesome. All right, you're listening to Fighting for the Faith, and my name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and our job here at Fighting for the Faith is to dish up a daily dose of biblical discernment. Amen. The goal of which is to basically help you to think biblically, to think critically, to think in terms of sound doctrine versus not sound doctrine, versus error, versus heresy. Rick Warren. <laughs> I taught her well. I have a tear in my eye. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's okay, Dad. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and by the way, I'm not exempt from this little exercise. We take what people are saying and we compare it to the Word of God. 
and uh, understand that for the most part, the Bible's actually pretty easy to get. Now, there are some complicated passages. There are some, st- there are some passages that are a little bit difficult to interpret. And uh, in fact, if you uh, are struggling with the passage and you would like us to uh, take a crack at a proper interpretation, then we, we can do that. But here's the deal. You ultimately get to compare everything I say to the Word of God. Why? Because, well, we believe in something called the verbal inspiration of Scripture. The inerrancy of Scripture, and that is is that the words matter, and that God, the Holy Spirit, inspired the Holy Bible as we have it, and including the words, the sentences, and the grammar, to convey a message to us. And that, and we believe that the heart of that message is is that Jesus Christ, who is God in human flesh, came to save sinners, sinners even as rotten as you. Thanks, Dad. Uh, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> even as rotten as me. All right. And that uh, that's the central message of the, of the Bible, of the Christian faith, and that's the, it's, it's called the gospel. And so, you know, and that's the axe I like to grind. And why? Because I don't think there's anything as important as the gospel message. Everything else is secondary, and that's what we should be applying ourselves to. So, so today on Fighting for the Faith, what, what are we going to do? We got, the, we got a listener email, uh, one from a gentleman by the name of Tony. He's from Houston. By the way, when you send in your, uh, your email to Fighting for the Faith, Please feel free to uh, not only tell me your name, but let me know where you're from so that people can know where you're, where you're emailing from. And uh, the way to contact us is at talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. And uh, let's see, we got some news stories today. <laughs> One out of the Telegraph in the UK. Listen to this. Christianity is on the, on the decline, according to the Telegraph in the UK, because of political correctness. What? It's true. I think this is a great article. And uh, this is going to be fun. Um, I'll be playing some audio from a news, uh, from one of those news shows. Apparently, the United Nation wants to regulate religious speech. Mm. Yeah, they want to regulate religious speech. So we'll play part of that. And in, in, in the truth is stranger than fiction category, I actually find myself in agreement with one of the people interviewed on this news story, Christopher Hitchens, who is one of those... New atheists can't stand the guy, but I, after listening to him on this program, I actually find myself going, I have more in common with him than I care to admit. Um, we're going to listen to some uh, audio from a news story about another church offering a shot glass ministry. A shot glass ministry? Yeah, you know, uh, whiskey for Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to do a sermon review from uh, Flamingo. <laughs> what is the name? It's Flamingo Road Church. Um Flaming, yeah, Flamingo Road Church. What a name for a church, Flamingo Road. And the sermon is called A Hero's Dream. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and this is another one of those really, really rapidly growing, media-savvy, politic, uh, purpose-driven type churches. And so we're, we're going to compare what this guy is saying to just basic biblical sound doctrine. And uh, that'll be our program today. Uh, so we'll dive right into it. I got an email from Tony in Houston. Great email, by the way. And uh, he says, uh, Chris, I was reaching for something clever. Uh, do you know this, Christian? They, cho- they torture my name on this on this program. We've, <laughs> I mean, haven't you been called many things like Christina Rosenberger? Yes. <laughs> okay. <sighs> People never get it right. So we, we just figured, basically said, just... Don't even try. Just come up with whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> so, so uh, Tony, he, he tried to come up with something clever, but didn't quite reach far enough. Uh, he says, I've recently moved from an evangelical theological position to a more reformed position. 
<laughs> let me comment here right off the bat. Tony, I think it's uh, profound and I that you notice that there is a huge theological difference between those two positions because there is. And there is. Yes, there is. And um, I've made this journey myself, and uh, I, I understand how difficult this is. Now, I, I'm not Reformed in the sense I'm a Calvinist, but I'm clearly in the Reformation in the sense that I'm a confessional Lutheran. He, so Tony continues. He says, The freedom and peace that comes uh, from the law versus gospel theological construct were completely unexpected. Right. I got to, again, got to interject here. Great email because this is, this gives me the ability to grind my axe. Um, when you understand what the purpose of the law is, and it's not to save yourself or to earn brownie points or star, stars on your star chart with God, or to somehow exp- expand the size of your jacuzzi and, and Olympic-sized swimming pool in, in the mansion that God's apparently making for you, you understand that the purpose of the law is to show you what a dirty, rotten sinner you are. And then you understand the full impact of the gospel. The gospel is, is that you are completely made righteous before God, declared to be righteous because of Jesus Christ. His perfect life is given to you as if you're the one who lived it. That is the best news ever. Right. So as a result of it, God couldn't be more pleased with you. Okay. So we do good works as, as Christians, not because we have to, or because we're trying to somehow make ourselves better than other people or anything like that. We, we are now free to go and serve our neighbor in love and not because God is sitting there with a big stick about ready to thump you on the head. If you don't, it's because he's transformed us from the inside. This, I mean, the good news is so amazing, amazing, amazing. And that it really does provide comfort. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Learn this, live it, learn it, apply it. And when you realize that Christ has done it all for you, yes, you, even you, Christian, somebody who claims to be a Christian, who goes to church every Sunday, you know, you're tithing and all that kind of stuff, you know, trying really hard, um, giving up alcohol, tobacco, dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the good news is, is that Christ could, God cannot be more pleased with you because of Jesus Christ for his sake. And so that provides this amazing comfort, you know, that now my life is spent in service to my neighbor because how can I not? Christ has shown so much mercy to me. Right. How can I not share that mercy with others? Anyways, uh, as Tony continues, I've only gotten like two sentences into this. <laughs> I'm getting long winded. Sorry, honey. <laughs> He says, I still haven't gone all the way to a liturgical or Lutheran worldview, but that is possibly because I just haven't found where the rabbit hole uh, comes out. I got to tell you this, making the transition from evangelicalism to Lutheranism was frightening. It was very scary for me Um, because I was told that, you know, liturgical services, you're putting God in a box and the Holy Spirit can't move and all that kind of stuff. Hogwash. (laughs) (laughs) And Tony, all I can say is, is that find a good confessional Lutheran church in your neck of the woods and attend. But you know what I would do before you attend? Call the pastor up and ask if he could sit with you and maybe a few others and, you know, have a pizza and beer night on a Saturday night and walk you through the liturgy. Walk you through it and have him teach you what the liturgy is all about, the different parts of it, why it's there. So before you ever like set off, you know, to, you know, in doing a liturgical service, find out what it's all about first walk through it it's it's like 
you know, going to a wedding and you know, they have wedding practice like the day before, it's a good idea to do that too. Cause that way you, you don't have to just like jump in. It's like being thrown to the sharks. So, <laughs> <laughs> but here's, How you know? yeah, <laughs> it was a big transition. Well, the fun thing for us was uh, when faith was born, that's my youngest child. She, I mean, she was singing the liturgy by the time she was one and a half. <laughs> she grew up in a liturgical church and it was, it's fun to hear her sing those, you know, she was singing along with us really early on. Anyway. Um, Anyway, it says, needless to say, these things have shaken my worldview to the point of disconnecting myself from most of the theology that I had learned in the past. Yeah, same here. Me too. I understand that, and I feel I, I understand the struggle that, that that brings. He says, my grandfather was an Assemblies of God pastor, and I went to an AG church until I was about 12. At that point, I was swept into the nearest word faith church, and I remained under that type of teaching up to the point where I attended a college that taught the same things. Ouch. Yeah. Word faith. That is just deadly, deadly stuff. <sighs> could, it, could that have been in Oklahoma? No, never mind. <laughs> he says, after, I, uh, per, after a pretty rough time in my early 20s, I married my current wife in 1995, and I was around, it was around this time that I started cleaning out the cobwebs of false doctrine that I had learned in the past. Some of these doctrines I had viewed as false and hypocritical for some years because they had manifested themselves in all of their legalistic and heretical glory in my own life. An example would be that my father, who was dying of liver disease, was being told that he couldn't be healed because of his lack of faith. Oh, yeah, we, uh, we hear this all the time. We hear this all the time, um, and I got e- I got I get emails on a regular basis to this effect. Somebody who's dying of cancer, who has heart disease or, or some degenerative disease. Th- these people, in their suffering, rather than receiving the comfort that comes from Christ crucified for their sins, and that Jesus Christ pulls us through even that suffering, that we can have joy in our sufferings because of who we are in Christ. Instead, they're told that they don't have enough faith, and that's why they're suffering. That's so wrong. Yep. It's terrible. Um, anyway, he says, um, oh, man, uh, he says, I can give thousands of examples like this. In 95, I started reading Schaefer and Zacharias. Schaefer is amazing, by the way, so that I could battle the false doctrine that I knew at the time. I spent some time in SoCal, so I was starting to embrace the Calvary Chapel way of thinking, but I still rebelled against what I saw as a theologically deficient view of the gifts of the Spirit, which leads to uh, now my current shift to a Reformed doctrine. So he says, I have two questions. All of that was prelude to his questions. He says, number one, at my current place of employment, almost everyone is a charismatic Christian. Okay, speaking in tongues, the assemblies of God type of stuff. No. Yeah. He says, my current boss just, quote, accepted Jesus into his heart. You can't accept Jesus. (laughs) Uh, honey, stop. You sound like a monergist. You need to stop doing that. <laughs> I've trained you well. All right. <laughs> this is, my daughter is a great example of why you catechize your children so that when they grow up, they actually know the faith. She says, uh, my, cur- my current boss accepted Jesus into his heart a few months ago and is being drugged headlong down a purpose-driven highway behind a four-wheel drive full of charismatics. Oh. That's a mental picture. Um, he says he knows that I am a Christian and he has asked me for some materials. So I'm looking for materials, audio, if possible to give him that would move him from his current, uh, from his current path. He's already listening to the well, quote, right music and following the quote, right rules. How do I approach ministry to someone who has quote, accepted Jesus? Okay. Good question. Tony, I, I would approach it from this point of view. Okay. 
let's not question whether or not he's a Christian. That's not going to get you anywhere. Let's assume for the for just the sake of argument that he just theologically is is confused, but that Christ has worked faith in him through the preaching of the gospel. Let's just we'll assume that for a minute. That being the case, remember that the Great Commission is to go and make disciples of all nations and teaching them all that Christ has taught us. That being the case, okay, um, I would say you have a wonderful opportunity here to serve your boss, to really, really reach out to him with sound doctrine and to help build on a found, to basically help build a good foundation. Now, I understand these charismatics are right now in the front seat and they're dragging him along. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't get out your machete and just chop the cords and and, (laughs) and help him out. So uh, what I would do in a situation like this is, for his sake, go and serve him. Serve him with, with sound doctrine and with good resources and with questions. Take him to lunch ha- it, without the charismatics along. And, um, and I would even say you'd be willing to meet with him before work a couple of days a week to do sound Bible study. That would be a great place to do it. Now, if you could do it personally, then you don't have to do audio, but I'll give you some resources in the meantime. So offer as a service to your boss to meet with him to work through the book of Romans. And when you're done with that, to work through the book of Galatians. Good law, gospel, good doctrine, really good stuff to work through. Okay, Because that those two books really teach salvation by grace through faith. And they teach <laughs> that the proper understanding of the law is really, really good stuff. Now, as far as homework materials, if he really wants to understand some things, I would recommend several resources that you can get online in audio format, unabridged audiobooks. Okay, the first one is *Mere Christianity* by C.S. Lewis. Strongly recommended, especially the first opening. Uh, the first opening uh, chapters of that book are fantastic. Another one that I would recommend by C.S. Lewis is the Screwtape Letters. Now, the Screwtape Letters, if you haven't read them, they're fantastic. It, it's, it's this whimsical story of, of a demon trying to write uh, advice to another demon on how to keep somebody from becoming a Christian. And, ups, well, he becomes a Christian, so how to keep him from growing as a Christian. And I would have him read those, the, the Screwtape Letters for, under this pretense. Basically say, listen, Jesus says in Matthew 25... And 24, be sure that no one deceives you. Because in the last times, there's going to be lots of false doctrine. There's going to be lots of false Christ, false prophets, false teaching. As a result of it, we need to, you know, as Christians, to understand how the enemy works. And this, the screw tapes, le- screw tape letters are very instructive in that sense. And it builds off of some of the themes that uh, Lewis writes about in mere Christianity. Now, another book that you can work through him with is, is, is a book that's been in print for a long time. And I don't know if it's, if it's still favorably viewed by a lot of people, um, but it's a book by the name of Paul, uh, by Paul Little called Know What You Believe. And you can get that. In fact, you can get the screw tape letters. You can get Mere Christianity and Paul Little's book, Know What You Believe, online as unabridged audio books at a website called ChristianAudio.com. And um, what you could do since he prefers them in audio, or if that's maybe that's just you speaking, if you prefer it in audio, go ahead and, and uh, you know, purchase those for him. Now, the other thing you can do on an ongoing basis 
is get him hooked on some of the programming on Pirate Christian Radio. I would strongly recommend that um, he listen to the White Horse Inn, okay, and Issues Etc. Okay, now I don't know if he's quite ready for this program. <laughs> Maybe he can graduate for that because this is polemical. This is a polemical program, and I'm in your face, and it, 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 we don't want him being snarky like me. So, <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, so I strongly recommend that you get him to to subscribe to the Issues Etc. podcast specifically, and even the White Horse Inn podcast. Um, you know, because that will help get him and basically tell him these are great programs that deal with sound doctrine and theology and really take a very sober and educated approach to understanding what Christianity believes, teaches, and confesses. And that being the case, I mean, what will happen then is that wonderful things will happen. Since he's just become a Christian, you work with him and serve him and help him in these ways and be there to answer any questions that he's going to have. What's going to happen is is the foundation that's going to be built theologically for him and doctrinally is going to be one where he's got these great biblical Christ-centered resources that understand proper distinction of law and gospel. And you give him the real thing, and it won't take him very long to figure out that this purpose-driven stuff is for the birds. Right. You know, so rather than sitting there saying, hey, you know, listen, these guys are, you know, this charismatic purpose-driven stuff that these guys are teaching you is not going to get you anywhere, that approach may not help be so helpful. Instead, come and serve him, offer, you know, to answer questions and, and to really be there as a resource for him. I mean, yes, he's your boss, but at the same time, you know, you're, it's, it's a great opportunity to serve, 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 serve. And by doing so, you're helping him to become a good disciple of Jesus Christ. Fun stuff. All right. right. Yeah. All right. Now, question number two. All right. He says, my theological shift has also caused some degree of consternation in my discussions with my wife. Tony, let me tell you this. I understand exactly what you're going through. Okay. When I made the shift from being evangelical to Lutheran, it took my wife many years to make the shift herself. In fact, let's just say that um, there, there, this was a bone of contention at times. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't, you know, my, my wife now is, she's a, a rabid confessional Lutheran, <laughs> but she wasn't always that way. In fact, she would, she accused me of being arrogant and wrong and d- judgmental whenever I would point out things that were wrong in evangelicalism or in the churches that we were attended. She just thought I was just a complete jerk. Anyway, he says, uh, generally she's on board with where I am at, but she has deep ties to the evangelicals as her parents are part of one of the most legalistic fundamentalist Christian groups I've ever encountered. It's uh, called Verbo in Guatemala. And uh, her brother is about to become an associate pastor at LifeChurch.tv. Oh, good night. Craig Groeschel's uh, outfit. Okay. He says, as someone who has uh, made the shift, how do you and your wife make the, how did you and your wife make the radical change from evangelical to Lutheran? You must know and understand how crazy this changes for people with our background. Yep. <laughs> she views any attack on the current heresies as a personal attack on her family 
Yeah, yeah, and you're going to have to work with that carefully. He says, I have to admit that this Reformed theology was not easy for me to choke down either, but all along I felt that God was dealing with me. Um, I really enjoy the show, and I've benefited greatly from your ministry, and God bless your ministry. Okay, Tony, okay, here's, let, me, let me help you out with your wife in this sense. Take a long view. Okay? Patience. Patience. Okay? Rome was not built in a day. Good theology and the, and the Holy Spirit, God working through his word, doesn't happen overnight either. Okay? People become, you know, the discipleship is a lifelong process. So that being the case, I would like to, to remind you what it is that God's word instructs us husbands to do concerning our wives. This is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. Let me read it in context. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he, she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I am sa- and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let one of you, each of you, love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so let me say this: take a long view of it, and what you your job is to serve your wife. Your job is to serve your wife, and how are you going to serve her? Well, what I did with my wife is rather than always, you know, knocking skulls with her you know, and, and, and being combative and argumentative and saying you're wrong or whatever. Instead, I took this really long view and basically work with the idea. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to plant God's word, huge amounts of God's word, a seed and let God cause it to grow. And so what we did is every night at the dinner table, when dinner was over, we pulled out the Bible I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> we pulled out the Bible and we just read. And we, and it kid you not, we have two, three chapters a night. You work through huge, huge sections of scripture in a week, ginormous sections in a month. Over the course of the year, you're almost through the whole thing every year. Okay. <laughs> and here's what happens is that when you wash your wife in God's word, when you lead her as a Christian husband and do this with your children too, your wife and your children. You are the one leading them in God's word. You're letting God's word speak and you're speaking God's word into her heart, into her ears. And the Holy spirit does his work. What happens is, is that slowly over time, just like the grass grows, you don't, you can't see it growing if you just look outside and watch it or as a plant grows, but over time it takes root. The roots, roots grow deeper and the, tree gets stronger and stronger and stronger. God's word will do the changing in your wife's life. The Holy Spirit through the word will wash her, sanctify her, teach her what sound doctrine is. And rather than taking a contentious approach or polemical approach with your wife, instead you're taking a positive approach of wanting to help her grow in God's word. And ultimately what happens is you'll see this is that God's word is so much at odds with much of what 
is going on in these groups that you've described. And ultimately, God's word will have its way with your wife. And ultimately, the more familiar she is with God's word and sees for herself that God's word is contradicting what is going on, she'll no longer be arguing with you. She'll be arguing with God. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually, through the work of the Holy Spirit, you you never know. God will cause her to bend the knee and to realize that she needs to be praying for her family and praying for these people rather than defending them. So that's the way you do it. Again, we as Christians are here to serve our neighbors, and it's so much fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. It's so much fun, and the reason why it's so much fun is because it's subversive, and it's not our word. It's it's God's word. He's the one doing all the work anyway. I mean, (laughs) why do we want to make it complicated? So... Anyway, uh, we will be right back. We're coming up on our first break here. Um, if you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard in today's show, you can do so at uh, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. And we'll be back from our very, very, very first broadcast from Indiana. <laughs> Hang on a second here. How cold is it out? It's, it's, it's 25 degrees. It was 16th. This We'll be right back. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of Rick Warren, you cannot be saved. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> it's Marty Python's Flying Circus Church. for downloading Rob Bell's Lectio Divina. This is a resource made available by Mars Hill Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Lectio Divina is an ancient spiritual practice from the Christian monastic tradition, and in Lectio Divina we seek to experience the presence of God through reading and listening, prayer, meditation, and contemplation. Lectio Divina can be done as an individual or a group. Are you ready to begin? Yes, I guess I am. All right. Begin by choosing a section of scripture that you would like to read and pray. You can choose the text randomly, or use a liturgical book like the Book of Common Prayer. Try not to set a goal for how much content you will cover. The goal is to listen for and experience God and His presence. Um, I guess I'll go randomly then. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Catch a scripture by its toe. If it's gospel, let it go. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Preparation for Lectio Divina. Next, do what you must to quiet and prepare yourself to hear from God. If you need to find a quiet room or sit in silence for several minutes or sit in a comfy chair, take whatever posture will help you prepare to receive and experience God's presence. Okay, let's see. I've got my comfy chair and... Oh, no. Hold on a second. You out there! How am I supposed to experience the presence of God if you're using a jackhammer? 
Don't feel sorry about that, ma'am. Yeah, you better be sorry. Next, when you sense that your heart is prepared, begin by slowly reading the passage of scripture that you have selected. Don't move too quickly through any sentence or phrase, and as you read, pay attention to what word or phrase or idea catches your attention. Okay, I don't know when I'm supposed to be ready. There's no, there's no kind of timer on me. Anyway, um, the passage of scripture. Judas hung him, himself. Judas hung himself. Judas hung himself? Next, begin to meditate on the word, phrase, or idea that captured your attention. Repeat it again and again. Hung himself. Hung himself. Hung himself. What thoughts come to mind as you meditate on this word, phrase, or idea? Suicide? What are you reminded of in your life? Um, an early death? What does it make you hope for? A different passage of scripture? Next, begin to speak to God. Tell God what word, phrase, or idea captured your attention and what came to mind as you meditated upon it. Lord, the phrase was, Judas hung himself. It's not a good feeling. How is God using this word, phrase, or idea to bless and transform you? How should I know that? Tell God what you have been thinking and feeling as you've listened and meditated. I'm feeling depressed. Tell God how you hope this word, phrase, or idea will change your heart to be more like his. This is rubbish! A complete waste of my time! I could be out trimming the petunias or burying the cat or something! If I'm going to experience God, I'm going to do it the old-fashioned way! Just open the Bible and read it! Don't be so silly and modern. Everybody knows that you can't experience God that way. Hi, I'm Patrick Kyle, a founding partner of New Reformation Press. Just as the first Reformation rediscovered, reclaimed, and restated timeless truths from the Word of God, the mission of New Reformation Press is to reintroduce these truths to the contemporary church and culture. All of our resources are handpicked to ensure that you have the best available biblical and doctrinal materials at your fingertips to help you grasp the treasures of the Reformation and deepen your own understanding of Christ and His work on your behalf. Browse our website at newreformationpress.com. We offer books, CDs, downloadable MP3s, and our very own line of Reformation-themed clothing. Check out the audio presentation, Bible in an Hour. Absolutely the finest overview of the scriptures that the staff at New Reformation Press has ever heard. Also, Dr. Rod Rosenblatt's presentation, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church. A stunning 200-proof presentation of the gospel for those who have been hurt by the church and discouraged as a result of false teaching. Available exclusively through NewReformationPress.com. Again, that's NewReformationPress.com. You are listening to Fighting for the Faith. It's now 24 degrees in Fisher's India. <laughs> I'm glad we're inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's the biggest trend, the part of the biggest part of the transition. You know, when you're inside, you know, you got, I have the same clothes I was wearing in Southern California for the wintertime. The problem occurs when you go outside. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wear at least two shirts. Yeah. You know, up in uh, in Chicago for the weekend, we were getting lake effect snow. And it was it was brutally cold. It was like 16 degrees with a wind chill factor that brought it down to like one. Ugh. And we were getting lake effect snow. I'm, and... We Southern Californians, we you know we're so used to lake effect snow that uh, we panic when we see it. <laughs> anyway, want to remind you all that uh, Fighting for the Faith is listener supported, which means that we rely on you in order to help pay our bills and our airtime fees and to keep this uh, basically keep bringing you this broadcast. And so, if you would like to partner with us, and uh, if you're really really growing, learning from uh, from this radio pro- program. Growing in your your knowledge of the Christian faith, learning how to think biblically and think critically, then partner with us. Uh, you can do so by sending in your gift to a post office box five zero eight, Fishers, Indiana, zip code four six zero three eight, or you can log on to fightingforthefaith.com and click on the donate button. So now we're we're going to have a, a a book of the month for March, but I haven't picked it yet. I got to narrow it down, so we'll we'll be uh, talking about that in the in the in the near future here. But again, you can uh, support us by post office box five zero eight, Fishers, Indiana four six zero three eight, or the website fightingforthefaith dot com. Okay, we're going to switch gears here and do a little bit of news today, um, which means we have to do our vintage news music. Here we go. The official music, Dad. That's the official music. The official news music. Here's a headline. It's from the Telegraph in the UK. Christianity is in decline because of political correctness. This is a great piece. Now, the funny thing is, is that this is an article you would expect to read in something like the Christian Post. Uh, instead, this uh, uh, again, uh, this was written in the Telegraph in the UK. I'm telling you. The news sources in the U.K. are much better than the news sources in the U.S. Just want to let you all know, if you want to get a better idea of what's going on in the world, don't rely on the New York Times or Fox News or whatever. Get 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 into some offshore, out-of-this-country uh, media sources. You'll, you'll learn a lot. Anyway, the, uh, the uh, subhead reads, Christianity is in decline in England because politically correct churches are most interested in accommodating other people's views. Then putting forward their own, it is claimed. This was written by Mark Beckford, who is the religion affairs correspondent for the Telegraph in the UK. And here's what it says. It says, a minister from a black majority church in London told members of the Church of England's governing body, the General Synod, that many Christians appear to see community cohesion as more important than evangelization. And this minister is right. She, this is the part that's galling. It's a it's a female minister. Uh. <laughs> we'll kind of overlook that part for the moment because uh, she's right. She warned that Christians must not walk on eggshells at a time when followers of other religions are unrelentingly spreading their message to the public, and said that everyone should be seen as a potential convert. I wonder if she's uh, been kicked out of the church there in England. Um, (laughs) The Reverend Neslin Sterling, General Secretary of the New Testament Assembly, who is an ecumenical representative of the Synod, made her passionate comments during a debate on the uniqueness of Christ in in multi-faith Britain. She said, we cannot allow ourselves to be marginalized. This process of marginalization of Christianity seems to be moving at a rapid rate in our country. And she's right. Just think about what was, you know, what's happened in the UK just in the past couple of weeks you had the nurse 
who nearly lost her job, who was disciplined for offering to pray for somebody. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And then you got that, uh, you got the, the gal who almost lost her job because her child shared her Christian faith with a schoolmate. Uh Uh-huh. Christianity being marginalized. I think that's a little bit of an understatement. She says, quote, I'm of the belief that we in the church are so anxious to be politically correct that we on occasions forget to reflect on whether our actions are Christ correct. She's right. We have positioned ourselves like the disciples did after Christ died behind closed doors, paralyzed with fear of the world, recognizing that we are Christians and bearers of the good news of salvation. Another great quote. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes um, the book of Isaiah, I think it's chapter six, um, women leaders, they're actually considered to be a punishment from God at times. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, here we got this, uh, this female minister who has... She's more manly than uh, <laughs> a better way of putting it. She's more manly than many of the men there in the UK here regarding the Christian faith. She says it would appear that the church is making a choice between community cohesion and evangelization, and the former seems to be given priority. Why do we complain about the decline of, of our membership? What meaningful measures are we ta- uh, taking to correct this negative process? Why should we as Christians have to walk on eggshells to preserve community cohesion and accommodate everyone else when the world around us is becoming more aggressive to Christians. And the mere mentions of the words Jesus Christ is an offense to so many of those whom we are seeking a to, a to working relationship with. Other faiths are unrelentingly spreading their message and gaining ground that we unwittingly have vacated. This woman is speaking so much truth here. I, this is ridiculous. <clears throat> She says, there is no room for complacency, no room to procrastinate or to retreat. But like a mighty army of the church, we Christians must go forward, spread the gospel and the good news of salvation. Every person in my mind is a potential convert. Well, this is a breath of fresh air. (laughs) (laughs) This is a woman after my own heart. (laughs) Hey, yay. All right, she continues. She says, the Reverend, An- uh, actually, the story continues. The Reverend Andrew Dow, who's a rector in uh, Chettleham, said Christians are, were terrified of the dreaded C word, conversion, but went on, we need to recover our nerve. We need to refute the life that, that to be evangelistic is to be a bigot or, uh, or a fundamental fanatic. Right on, Andrew. You're doing a good job. Wow. This is, this is good stuff. Now, the Reverend Rose Hudson Wilkin, a vicar in East London, said Christians should concentrate on their own community rather than trying to convert members of other faiths and ask how many of your children are still worshiping. Oh, that's ridiculous. The Archbishop of York, Dr. John uh, Sentamu, agreed that the majority of people in the country who call themselves Christians but whom we never see in our churches should be ignored. Uh huh. No. Paul Eddy, a lay per- a member of Synod who proposed the motion, insisted he did not want to encourage an aggressive confrontational mission to convert anyone and recognize the talk of the Crusades can create distress. Okay. <clears throat> but part of Christ died for all of our sins, did it not? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry here. The, the female Reverend Neslin Sterling is more of a man than Paul Eddy. <laughs> 
here you got you got the the, the female reverend. Uh, you're not. There's no such thing, by the way. There's no such thing as pastrixes. But anyway, you got this woman who's got more guts, more bravery, more courage, and more biblical understanding of what we're called to do by Jesus Christ Himself. What did Jesus say? Let me see. Go and make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded. Right, you remember that? You know, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, familiar with it? Or in, in Luke 24, to go and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' names to all nations, right? Yep. So the, the, the female, Reverend Neslin Sterling, gets it. Paul Eddy, part of the new castrati, um, apparently doesn't understand that. And we don't want to go out and encourage an aggressive confrontational mission to convert anyone. <laughs> we can't do that. It might cause distress. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <sighs> That's ridiculous. Good night. Put your big boy pants on and actually do something courageous there, Paul. You know, Jesus himself said, go and make disciples. That involves converting them. <laughs> but Paul insisted, I do have a concern that evangelism, along with many other Christian distinctives, is greatly in danger of being lost amongst the overall desire for people of all faiths and of none to work together to build a greater community coherence. Did Christ call us to go and make greater community coherence? No. There, go therefore into all the world and make a more coherent community. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, what we are witnessing on a monthly, if not weekly basis here in the UK is a strategic, highly politicized marginalization of Christianity in the public arena. Arena. We have examples of Christian students, magistrates, foster parents, registrars, and nurses falling foul of such a marginalization. Yep. His motion, which called on bishops to report on their understanding of Christ's uniqueness and report on good examples of sharing the gospel, was passed over overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly with 283, uh, 4, and 8 against, and 10 abstaining. 10 people abstained from a... Uh, <sighs> Time to clean house. Anyway. So there you got uh, you got some people in the UK, some people in the UK understanding that what they're supposed to do as, a, as Christians is go out and make converts, make disciples. Go out there and proclaim the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. There's no forgiveness of sins offered in Buddha. There's no forgiveness of sins offered in the name of Allah. There's no forgiveness of sins offered in the name of Shiva, Vishnu, or any of the Hindu gods. No. There's salvation offered only in Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins, full and complete pardon, won by Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins, by the blood that he shed on your behalf. Thank you, God. <laughs> yep. And these guys are worrying that we, we, don't, we might cause distress if we go out and convert some people. And yet the, one of the women in the group understands what she's supposed to do. Ay, 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 what is the world coming to? An so, it, it, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, it is it's kind of a slow and languishing end. Kind of hoping for that Jesus to just pop up and say, okay, enough is enough. <laughs> We're done with this, please. Anyway, uh, while we talk about that, let's, uh, let's play this little piece here. Apparently, I, did you all know that, uh, that the United Nations is working overtime to try to uh, limit... Freedom of speech? 
Did you know that? It's like communism. Yeah. Let me pull this up. Hang on here. Uh, I thought I had pulled this up in my show. Yeah, I did. Here we go. Okay. United Nations wants to regulate free speech of every nation. Um, this is from Lou Dobbs on CNN, and uh, this this aired not too long ago. Listen to this story and again in the truth is stranger than category. Uh, the truth is stranger than fiction category. You're going to find yourself agreeing with new atheist Christopher Hitchens. Here we go. There is a major effort taking uh, taking uh, place to curb free speech in this country, irrespective of our Constitution, our Bill of Rights. And free speech advocates say the United Nations has come down on precisely the wrong side. The United Nations has adopted what it calls a resolution combating defamation of religions. The United Nations now wants to make that anti-blasphemy resolution binding on member nations, including, of course, our own. That yeah, you, you heard that right. The United Nations passed a resolution regarding anti-blasphemy rules regarding certain religions. You're going to find out which religion in particular we're talking about here. <laughs> and they want to make this resolution binding on all member nations, including the United States of America. Now, you folks listening in the U.K. and Australia, you should also be alarmed, too, because you're part of the United Nations as well. Listen to the details. Here we go. Make it a crime in the United States if the United Nations were to have its way to criticize religion, in particular, Islam. Kitty Pilgrim has our report. The U.N. General Assembly is considering a binding resolution urging member states to make it a crime to criticize Islam. What they would do would be to make it illegal to uh, put out a movie uh, or a write a book or a poem which somebody could say was defamatory of uh, Islam. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you want to say that Muhammad was not a true prophet? That the Quran is not the word of God? That Allah is not the one true God? And that their view of Jesus Christ, whom they call Isa, uh, thank you, Rick Warren, um, <laughs> Is that, that that Jesus Christ did die on a cross for the sins of the world? That that God does have a son, and His name is Jesus Christ. And if you say that in a way that's polemically against Islam or criticizes Islam, that that would become a crime in the United States if the UN had its way. So-called anti-blasphemy resolution would call on governments to pass their own laws to determine what can be said about religion in public. The resolution urges states to provide within their respective legal and constitutional systems adequate protection against acts of hatred, discrimination, intimidation, and coercion resulting from defamation of religion. But the U.S. says the concept of defamation of religion has another meaning. While appearing in name to promote tolerance, the implementation of this concept actually fosters intolerance and has served to justify restrictions on human rights and fundamental freedoms. Even talking about the influence of Islam on terrorism could be called criminal under this resolution if adopted by an individual country. You are entitled to say that in America, but not if the UN has its way. They would criminalize that kind of practice, and they are trying to do it elsewhere around the world. A group of 57 Organization of Islamic Countries, the largest bloc at the United Nations, has been pushing it out of concern, it says, over anti-Islamic behavior, saying, 
This resolution is a major step towards sensitizing the international community on the serious impact of defamation of religions. Last December, the General Assembly passed it as a non-binding resolution. And this year, a binding resolution is expected to be introduced as early as March. Human rights activists say its influence is already being felt. There have been a number of prominent cases most recently in India, uh, for instance, the editor of a newspaper um, was charged um, for reprinting um, an article that had initially been printed in the UK. While the article mentioned the three major religions, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, the editor was arrested for, quote, hurting the religious feelings of Muslims. Yeah, so, uh, a reporter was arrested for hurting the religious feelings of Muslims. So now, this is serious. I mean, could you imagine, literally, freedom of speech when it comes to religion completely being curtailed based upon this idea that you might hurt the religious feelings of somebody? Oh, my gosh. Terrible. Uh Uh-huh. I feel persecution coming. Now, essentially what this resolution would do is to urge countries to pass laws in their country, which would be unconstitutional in the United States, and basically violate the spirit of many Western judicial systems, Lou. Yeah, I, I, a couple of questions. One is, of those 57 nations uh, supporting this uh, uh, resolution, how many of them are democracies? Uh, I couldn't tell you, but many of them are Islamic countries. Uh, Pakistan has led the uh, the charge on this and has... You know, i got to be careful because Pirate Christian Radio, because we're Internet-based, we are heard all over the world. Okay. Last count by, you know, our stats showed that there were the people were actively listening to Pirate Christian Radio and to Fighting for the Faith in 64 countries around the, around the world, around the planet. And uh, Pakistan was one of the places where people have been tuning in. Uh, I've already run afoul of these uh, these these laws. I probably have, you know, by my speech, have hurt the religious feelings of Muslims around the world. Gasp! <laughs> <laughs> and they need to be hurt because they're going to hell. They need to repent of their false religion and trust in Christ alone for their salvation. I don't, I'm not concerned about hurting the religious feelings. I'll continue to hurt the religious feelings for the sake of the truth and for the sake of their souls that they might repent of their sins and their false religion and trust in Christ. Uh, has tabled this so resolution. They're, so they're not democracies, and they, uh, they're fascinated with their own uh, uh, precepts about uh, what would constitute uh, the way to run a nation, not like ours. Uh, is there any, any discussion, or perhaps, of simply, uh, if the United Nations insists on doing this, sort of bulldozing the building, getting it out of the way, and letting them go find another place to live? Uh, now, Lou, you're hurting the feelings of people who like the UN here, uh, suggesting that we should bulldoze the building. Which, by the way, is probably a really good idea. <laughs> it wasn't really discussed in my uh, perhaps, my discussions today. <laughs> well, perhaps we can raise that as an alternative to impinging on uh, our uh, our constitutional uh, liberties. Uh, Kitty Pilgrim, thank you very much. Appreciate it from the United Nations. What a place. Well, joining me now with more on the UN effort to stifle free speech, uh, to squelch it, really is Christopher Hitchens. He's Vanity Fair columnist, author of God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. Christopher, now, this is, this, Christopher Hitchens is one of the new atheist guys. I'd, I consider his argumentation to be absolutely ridiculous and stupid, 
and not very difficult to overcome when it comes to, you know, his arguments against the existence of God. Um, but in this particular case, I find myself oddly in agreement with Christopher Hitchens. <sighs> I, I have to say, first, welcome. Great to have you back with us. Secondly, how dare these people uh, attempt such a thing? Well, first, thank you for having me back. And second, look, the claim of Islam is that it is the last and final revelation from God to humanity. It's quite a big claim to make, that you don't need another book after the Quran. Uh, you don't need any more evidence. You don't need any more argument. It's all done for you. Now, that's okay if people want to claim that. But now they want to say, if you have any difficulty with this mm -hmm. uh, idea, if you have any doubts about it, you're not allowed to express them. Mm -hmm. uh, because if you do, you are insulting us. Uh, you're making us feel hurt. Now, just imagine the, those two claims put together. One, a fantastic claim, and the other, a fantastic claim that you can't challenge. That is totalitarianism defined. It's a... Yep, I find myself completely agreeing with Christopher Hitchens here. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um... <laughs> that was good. <laughs> All right, we're, we're going to take our second break. When we come back, we'll continue with this story. And uh, if you think, by the way, that this is just only a U.N. issue, oh, con I've, got, uh, I've got a story that's sitting right here in front of me that says the Virginia Senate kills prayer in Jesus' name. They, the Virginia Senate has outlawed prayer in the name of Jesus to be done by uh, by police chaplains in the sort. We'll read the story here. So if you think that the UN is the only one out there trying to stifle religious free speech, oh, no, 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 no. This is already in the United States of America. We'll read that story when we come back. So you need to stay, to, stay with us. You need, to, <laughs> you need to stay here. All right, uh, we'll be right back. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard so far, you can do so at talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. That's talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, and we will be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, turning for the written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. 
My local Christian bookstore just sells Jesus schlock. Where can I find good material? We at NewReformationPress.com are committed to providing a hand-picked selection of books and teaching materials that educate, inform, and entertain while uniquely maintaining a relentless focus on the gospel. We believe that these forgotten doctrines and their scriptural emphases can not only enrich individual Christians and revive the church, but also address the deepest needs of our culture. Discover our growing library of resources by Dr. Rod Rosenblatt of the White Horse Inn Radio Program, including his powerful address, The Gospel for Those Broken by the Church, available exclusively at NewReformationPress.com, or the big-picture audio presentation, Bible in an Hour, by Pastor Wade Butler. Learn the center and scope of redemptive history and scripture in just one hour. And of course, be sure not to miss our selection of t-shirts, gifts, and artwork as well. NewReformationPress.com. Finally, Reformation Theology Made Accessible. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith, and we are in the middle of uh, listening to how the U.N. would like to uh, practically abolish all religious speech that would be critical of um, Islam. Islam's wrong, though. Yeah. But, honey, you, 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 Christina, you just committed a crime. You, you may have hurt the religious feelings of muslims around the world just by saying what you just said they can get over it <laughs> <laughs> all right let's continue with this uh this piece from uh lou dobbs on uh <clears throat> on religious free speech and the un's desire to get rid of it Ape. Uh, and butchery of the First Amendment of our Constitution. Uh, it's also being joined, though, Christopher, by a lot of nations that are not Islamic, uh, and there seems to be a, a, a strong uh, a move forward, and it's already, in, in front of fact, been approved at this level by the United Nations. I have to say that we've got, we're reaching a point in the United States where we've got a group of people who will go around clucking, saying, oh, yes, this will be just fine, uh, irrespective of our constitutional rights, because there's some, you know, there, uh, we have Americans now, there is a a movement afoot in this country for hidebound orthodoxy of all sorts of uh, extremes, uh, politically, uh, religiously, in which people say, you know, the heck with the Constitution. Uh, there are higher uh, issues at work. No, order no, you're, you're, you're quite right about that. I mean, when, um, when Salman Rushdie was uh, sentenced to death by a senile uh, theocrat in Iran uh, for writing a novel, um, the Archbishop of Canterbury, um, His Holiness the Pope, um, certainly the Sephardic chief rabbi of Israel and many other religious figures joined with Khomeini, not in exactly endorsing the fatwa, right. uh, the death sentence, but in saying the problem was blasphemy, uh, that they agreed with the Ayatollah to that extent. The problem was not the, the destruction of free speech and free expression, but, but um, the hurt feelings of the religious. This is a common... A problem. In, in, in Britain, there's a blasphemy law that only protects Christians. For example, it's a big source of Muslim grievance. But when you clear away all these discrepancies, there's one overwhelming thing that's happening, um, and it's this. There are, there are Muslims who are prepared to use violence at the drop of a hat if a cartoon is published in Denmark, if the Pope makes an off the cuff remark, a stupid one in my opinion, about Byzantium uh, or the Crusades. They go straight to violence, but yet you cannot criticize them for being violent lest you be accused of blasphemy. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You can, they can be completely ridiculous and stupid. You know, they've made a, they've made a cartoon of Allah, of Muhammad. We're going to kill everybody. Kill, kill, kill. And then you say, that's ridiculous. Killing a human being over a cartoon and threatening his life? You can't say that to me. You hurt my religious. Kill you. I kill you. <laughs> I kill you. <laughs> yeah, and it is, it is, well, Islam, of course, uh, Christianity, whatever it may be, uh, I, the United Nations is getting a bit burdensome, it seems to me, to anyone who's interested in freedom, uh, whether it be through the World Trade Organization, whether it be... Uh, Alou, it's not just the United Nations. Um... That's the Virginia Senate, by the way. We'll get there in a second. All sorts of institutions, organizations, ranging an issue from global warming to uh, anti-blasphemy. Yes. Uh, this is becoming a totalitarian, authoritarian uh, organization. And political yes, which, correctness is really do, an effort to, to control uh, more... I thank God that we still, at least I still live in a country that has uh, constitutional freedom of speech protected, sort of. Kind of. Seemingly to me, at least, uh, nothing more than an effort to control thought. Nothing to do with its remit either, which is the settlement of disputes among member states by peaceful means. Of course, nothing to do with that at all. Um, and remember, uh, thanks to Eleanor Roosevelt, all member states or applicants for membership of the UN were not compelled, but were strongly urged to sign the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, right. which, among other things, protects freedom of expression. And, it's, and the, the countries that refused could still join, but remember that they were the then Soviet Union uh, and Saudi Arabia. Those were the countries that said we, we would rather not have to think of universal human rights. Universal human rights exist whether religion uh, recognizes them or not. And we have to stand up for this. Yeah. And I agree here with Christopher Hitchens. I'm sorry, but... Freedom of speech. I'm not interested in, in converting anyone to Christianity at the point of a gun over a threat of violence or holding a sword to their head saying I'm going to cut it off or blow myself up in a marketplace or anything like that. I'm called to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, and we need freedom of speech in order to do that, and we need governments to get out of the way and let the free marketplace of ideas run its course. How is it that the U.N. at this point is so willing to toss away freedom of speech in the name of not hurting the feelings, the religious feelings of Muslims? They need to grow up, you know. And if they want to go blow themselves up, let them. You know, who cares? <sighs> anyway. All right. Now, if you think this is limited to the United Nations, no. <clears throat> I'm holding in my fingers here. Virginia Senate uh, kills prayer in Jesus' name is the headline. Richmond, Virginia, February 23rd, Christian Newswire. On Monday, the Virginia Senate uh, Courts of Justice Committee voted 8 to 6 with one, absten abst uh, one person abstaining along party lines to kill a pro-faith bill, HB 2314, which would have restored... They were taken away. This would have restored the rights of Virginia state police chaplains to pray publicly in Jesus' name. So if you, are a, uh, if you are a chaplain in the state of Virginia, it is against the law for you to pray publicly in the name of Jesus. Against the law. It's against the law. It is a criminal act. 
The Virginia House of Delegates had successfully voted 66 to 30 last month for HB 2314. So the House of Delegates in Virginia voted for this, but the Senate killed it. Written by Delegates Charles W. W. Carrico, uh, which would have restored the rights of state trooper chaplains, six of whom heroically resigned last fall rather than water down their prayers or publicly deny Christ, as ordered by Governor Tim Kaine's administration. Now, uh, Del Carrico admits the chaplains' rights will unfortunately not be reinstated until new elections are held on November 3rd, 2009. So, um... In the in the state of Virginia, if you are a chaplain for the police department, you cannot pray in Jesus' name. That's not right. No. Uh, what happened to freedom of religion and freedom of speech? Apparently it doesn't exist in the People's Republic of Virginia. Not as it pertains to Christianity and prayers to Jesus. Anyway, we're moving on to the next thing here. Um <laughs> In one of our last programs, I played a video from a church that uh, that was doing a shot glass ministry. Well, apparently this idea is catching on like wildfire because now there's a church in California that's gotten some media attention uh, over their shot glass ministry. Um, the name of the church is Flipside Church, and they're in the Merced area of uh, California. We listen to their what happened on their news broadcast. A Valley Church is taking a unique and likely controversial approach to spreading the good news. Flipside Christian Church in Madeira is handing out free shot glasses in an effort to reach those who wouldn't ordinarily step into a sanctuary. Action News anchor Liz Harrison has a story behind the shots and the church. It's a clear glass with the slogan, Give us a shot. Inside a business card, Flipside Church, a church for real people. On the back it says, exchange this card for a morning after mug. Okay, got to stop right there. So they're giving away free shot glasses, and inside the shot glass is a card that says they can exchange the shot glass for a morning after mug. Um, apparently, uh, after you've used the, their shot glass for having too much to drink and you have a hangover, you can exchange it for a mug that they'll fill with coffee. Carl Roth is behind the giveaway. He's the pastor of the newly formed Flipside Church. For so many years, the church has made the mistake and really shunned their responsibility to meet people, meet the culture where they are. They've said, as long as you look like me and act like me and talk like me and live like me, then you're welcome in our church. Uh, which church is I, uh, funny? I, none of the churches I've attended have said that. What church are you talking about? And how is it that giving people a shot glass in a bar that says give our church a shot is somehow evangelism? Uh, the story continues. And I think that's backwards. Roth is hoping the shot glass will attract those who feel spiritually disconnected from God and the church. I probably... Now, can I also say something here? Why are they assuming that people who are attending, who are visiting a bar and and, and enjoying an alcoholic beverage are somehow disconnected from God? That's a pretty big assumption, don't you think? Didn't Jesus turn water into wine? sold uh, twice as many shots as I normally sell um, because people just wanted the shot glass and I wouldn't give them one for free they had to buy a shot oh man 
the, that was the bartender of the bar that's uh, giving out these shot glasses, and apparently it's been really good for business for him. He's sold twice as many shots because people want the shot glass. Got to get me one of them shot glasses. Chaser's bar owner, Brad Severson, received a box of glasses Wednesday and immediately began handing them out. Okay, got to point something out here. Didn't the pastor of Flipside Church say that they have to meet the people where they're at? But they're not, they're actually not, the people from Flipside Church aren't actually going to the bar to meet people where they're at. They've only sent a box of shot glasses to do it for them. Since when do we rely upon shot glasses to do evangelistic work for us? And I don't have to wash any glasses, so it works It works out great for me. I'd like to have it every day. <sighs> so the bar owner is really excited about the fact that uh, he doesn't have to wash any shot glasses. Isn't that great? Now, some people will find the shot glass giveaway a little unorthodox. The church itself is a little unorthodox. Sunday morning services are here at this theater on the Liberty High School campus in Madera Ranchos. The pastor calls it kind of a rock star party at church. They have a flipping out ministry for kids. Uh, what? A rock star party at church and a flipping out? What? And a motorcycle club and a gun club for adults. Oh, wow, they have a motorcycle club, club and a gun club, too. What a, what a relevant church that is. I I, I, a church that has a motorcycle club and a gun club. I mean, I would like to go to a church that has a gun club, considering the fact that I, now that I don't live in California, I got 25-round magazines for my SOCOM rifles, but <laughs> <laughs> can't have those in California. Can only, uh, name of the church, Flipside, comes from the book of Acts in the Bible, where the religious leaders were criticizing the new... What? The word Flipside does not occur anywhere in the book of Acts. ...followers of Christ. They said to these Christ followers, you guys have turned the world upside down, and now you're here disrupting our city. And that's what we want to do. We want I feel my IQ lowering. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the passage he's referring to here, um, let me find it. It's in the book of Acts. Um, he, he say, he's saying it as if they had done something positive. You know, the, the, look at the, they've, they've turned the world upside down, right? It's, it sounds so, so great, doesn't it? Um, but actually, that's, let, let me back this up a second here. Uh comes from the book of Acts in the Bible, where the religious leaders were criticizing the new followers of Christ. They said to these Christ followers, you guys have turned the world upside down, and now you're here disrupting our city. And that's what we want to do. We want to turn our... <sighs> okay. It's from Acts chapter 17. Verse 6 is the relevant one, but uh, we always like to read things in context here because... Context, context, context really helps you when it comes to understanding the Bible. So let me read this in context. Uh, Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 1, we read, Now, uh, when they, that's Paul uh, and and, uh, I think Barnabas or Silas, I forget. It says, When they had passed through Amphilius and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. 
where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Oh, so here, what what were they doing? Oh, they were proclaiming Christ and him crucified. So Paul, when he got to Thessalonica, didn't go down to the local bar and hand out shot glasses. He went and reasoned with people and showed them from the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. He didn't expect their shot glasses to do the work for him. Actually, Paul did the the tough work of going out and proclaiming and defending the gospel and biblically proving who Jesus was. Anyways, he says, some were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a a great many of the devout Greeks and, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Is this positive? Does this sound positive to you? No. And it says this, and when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men have turned the world upside down and have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. So keep in mind that this the, the Flipside Church, is, they're being so culturally relevant, but the thing is that's missing is Jesus. You know, and instead they they their shot glasses are doing all the heavy lifting for them. They just send a bunch of shot glasses to the local bar because that's apparently evangelism now. Little scope of the world upside down and disrupt, if you will, the city for Jesus. How 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 is sending putting a shot glass that says "Give our church a shot" disrupting the world for Jesus? Piers Roth's desire is becoming a reality. His shot glass giveaway has become the talk of the town. When you first think of church, you wouldn't think of a shot glass, but I mean, I think I think it's I just think it's a unique way of getting people to attend. If it works, I think it's great. Why don't we, uh, you know, put give Jesus a shot on on syringes and needles and uh, you know give them to heroin addicts and I mean if it works, I mean that's that's the most important thing. We we Americans are so pragmatic. We could care less whether or not it's wrong. If it works, that's the only thing that matters. Whether the card inside the shot glass ends up being exchanged for a coffee mug at Flipside remains to be seen. Liz Harrison, ABC 30 Action News. And so far, the shot glasses are available only in Madeira, but the giveaway will extend to Fresno this weekend when the Lucky 13 bar on Ashland and 99 will begin to stock them. Well, praise the Lord. I mean, run out to your local bar and get those Christian shot glasses. Uh, I'm not able to drink yet. <laughs> uh, all right, moving along here, we're up to the part where we're going to do our sermon review tomorrow. By the way, we're going to pick, we're going to start back in the the, the Gospel of Mark. We're going to pick that up again tomorrow. Uh, this is a, a sermon called "A Hero's Dream." Oh no! From the Flamingo Road Church, Flamingo Road. That's right. Flamingos, by the way, are really big, ugly pink birds <laughs> whose knees bend backwards. You, you can see them at SeaWorld. I mean. <laughs> Okay, uh, so this is Troy Grambling. Um, got an email from somebody giving us a heads up, and this was enough of a stinker that, well, we had to uh, play it. So here we go, A Hero's Dream. And wh- what are we listening for? 
are are you hearing the gospel? Who is this sermon about? Is it Christ centered? Is it or is it about you? Um. Well, here we go. Now, all of us are looking for meaning in our lives. I mean, why does your heart beat? Why does your lungs take in air? Why do you look the way that you do? Why do you react the way that you do? Why do you like what you do? Is there a purpose to it? Is there a meaning to it? And what that scripture says is that God created us anew in Christ Jesus. What that means is that our purpose is really only found when we're in Christ. And that's one of the great benefits of being a God follower. Not only do you get to spend eternity with God in heaven, but your life on earth makes sense. You understand that there's something about you, that something that God put in you to do something of significance. He says you're God's artwork. And in Christ Jesus, you understand what that artwork is supposed to do. And then... Um. I'm Christ's artwork. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> oh, boy. Why do I feel like this guy's blowing smoke and this is one of those big ego-boosting, self-esteem-building... Well, he said purpose twice. Which, yeah. Which means bad news. Yeah, here we go. And he goes on. Look what he says. He says, so we can do the good things he... He being God, planned for us long ago. Okay, got to stop here. The passage that he's referring to happens to be Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, Do you have any problem at this point? Because remember, if you're going to properly understand what God's word says, you need to read it in context. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 just happens to be one of those fantastic passages of scripture. And so, to help out this goat herder um goat herder gam gambling um we're going to read it in context starting at verse one ephesians chapter two verse one we read in the english sanctified version and you were dead in trespasses and sins lovely bad news law right In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So positive. (laughs) Well, it's telling us what our sinful condition is, and we need to know that. Otherwise, otherwise the gospel doesn't make any sense. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God and not a result of work, so that no one may boast. What is this passage about, Christina? <laughs> Pretty much saying that we are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. Right. And salvation's a gift, right? Yes. That's the whole point of this passage, right? Now we read verse 10, the one that he's zeroing in on out of context. For we are are all, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay. Notice the flow here. 
dead in trespasses and sins, made alive in Christ, saved by grace through faith. It's a gift from God. And from that faith, now that we're raised from the dead in Christ, good works flow, right? There's a natural progression. Notice he skipped all of that other stuff. And just as focusing on the workmanship part, this is what this is taking a passage out of context. Well, let's see what he does with this passage out of context. By the way, if you take a a scripture verse out of context, you've created a pretext with it. Okay. And you're not actually teaching what God's word teaches. So we continue. No, no, no. Let's, let's think about this again. So we can do the good things that he being God planned for us long ago. That means because the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So God looked ahead, all right, on the day that you were born. In other words, God looked down into 2009, and he knew that there were going to be some challenges in your family. He knew that there would be some challenges in our world, in your neighborhood, in this church. And so God says, because I am a loving God, full of mercy, I want to, I want to reach out and do something for them. So you know what he did? He created you. Uh, what? <laughs> really? Um, he got that out of that verse. Does it say that anywhere in the Bible? Yeah. Where does it say that? It doesn't. He's somehow stretching this verse in order to make it say that he's improvising. Uh, right. Not a good thing for a pastor to be doing, by the way, you're the answer to the need of 2009. What? I'm the answer to the need of 2009? Wow, I didn't realize I was so important. Maybe you'll fix the economy. (laughs) Maybe I can now. (laughs) It's not by accident that you live in this time and in this place. It's a divine destiny. You might think of it this way. For we are God's... Isn't Darth Vader the one who talked about destiny? (laughs) (laughs) Come with me, Luke. Together we can rule the universe as father and son. It is your destiny. <laughs> Hero. We are whoa, God's... Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, got to bring this one back in context. Sorry, we're going we're gonna to play a little bit. Uh, we're going to play a little bit that you've already heard because you got to hear this one in context. Here we go. Accident that you live in this time and in this place. It's a divine destiny. You might think of it this way. For we are God's hero. We are... No, he did not just say that. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's... No. Uh, folks, um, no, you're not. Uh, you're the sinner that needs to be <laughs> saved by the hero. We screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jesus Christ is the only hero, the only one. He's the savior. We're the savies. He, he's righteous. We're sinners. We're dead in our sins. We're, yeah, yeah. And so he's taking verse 10 out of Ephesians 2 out of context. And this is what happens when you take it out of context. You're not actually teaching anymore what the passage actually says. Oh, boy. This sounds satanic. You're God's hero? No, you're not. You are a filthy, rotten, dirty sinner 
who needs to repent and trust the good news of the gospel. Jesus is the hero, not you. He gets the glory, not you. For God's heroine, God made you to step in and be the answer for a problem that now exists. No, he didn't. And it doesn't say that anywhere in God's word ever. Not one verse. What you're saying is a complete lie. Pastor, I mean, goat herder flamingo (laughs) on purpose, intentionally created because that's what a hero does. A hero steps in and rescues. And that's what God created you to be. All of no, ah, Jesus is the one who rescues. This guy could not be farther wrong if he tried. No matter who you are. So easy to get focused on just making it through the day, you know, just somehow, I mean, things are tight and I'm worried about this and I don't know where that's going to go. And God says, man, I made you for so much more than that. Where does it say that? I, I created you to do an amazing thing. You have a destiny. I re- yeah, again, I go back. Darth Vader was the one who talked about destinies, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I wrote it in my journal this way. is that you and I were created for more than just to build a great business. That we were created for more than just to make money. That we were created for more than just to come to church. Notice what he's doing here is putting down vocation. Folks, this is not the biblical view of vocation at all. Do you want to know what a good work is? A good work is when you go to work and you serve your neighbor. Whether that's in a cubicle or behind the microphone at a uh, fast food organ, a fast food restaurant, or if it's being a gardener or some, the guy who collects the garbage, it's God doesn't view that thing as a just as uh, I'm sorry, but you were just a garbage collector, or you were just a fast food worker, or you were just a cubicle dweller, or you were just a the no, no, no. Scripture is clear that we are to quietly work at a vocation, earning our pay. Serving our neighbor in our vocation and in the work that God has given us to do. God doesn't look at the lady who cleans houses as less than the person who's the president of the United States. Not at all. Each, regardless, has been called by God to serve their neighbor in their vocation. And it's not just a just. This guy is way, way wrong. That we were created for more than just to have a family. Those are all good, great, wonderful things. Then why are you putting him down? But that is just a part of your destiny. It is not your purpose. Really? I have no idea what you're talking about here because uh, you just ripped Ephesians 2.10 out of context, uh, goat herder flamingo. And... uh, yeah, I'm not believing anything that you're saying at this point because I can't even trust you. There is something bigger than your business. There is something bigger than your family. There is something bigger than your resources. Should I go out and, and visit the local astrologer and have my palm read to find out what the bigger destiny is here? Goat herder flamingo? And there is something bigger than just church attendance. There is a destiny which all of us have been given to live out. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's heroes. Remember when you were little? 
Wow, this is ego building. I don't hear the law to convict people of their sins. Nope. No, this is this is for the lovers of self that this is this is a prime example of scratching itching ears, which Paul warned about would happen in the last days. And you would uh, take a towel, right? You guys ever do this? Take a towel and make it into a cape. All right. A goat herder flamingo has just donned a green and white striped towel in the form of a cape. Right? And you were a superhero. And you could fly. You could save. Don't look at me like that. I know you all did it. All right? You all did it. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you turn to the person that's sitting next to you and tell them which hero you pretended to be when you were a kid. All right? Would you do that? What? That's not in the Bible either. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's not all that interested in actually preaching what the Bible says. He's uh, he's an ear scratcher. <laughs> so now we have everybody in the congregation sharing with their neighbor what hero they wanted to be when they were little. Group therapy? <laughs> All right, how many of you, how many of you were Superman? You know, it's interesting how Satan makes his victims very comfortable. Yeah, completely oblivious to the fact that hell is creeping up on him. All right, because Superman was the coolest, right? Because Superman could fly, right? And you get up on the furniture. Here I am to save the day. How many of you were Spider-Man? Batman? All right. Robin, please don't raise your hand if you wanted to be Robin as a child. <laughs> I'll think a lot less of you, okay? How about Wonder Woman? Right? He's still wearing the towel. It's really a distraction. She turned into Wonder Woman. The problem is, is that somewhere along the line, though, somebody told you, it's just a towel. It's not a cape. You can't fly. Bullets don't bounce off of you. And your jet is not invisible. Right? I mean, somebody told you that. Hey, you're 13. You ought to take off the towel, right? And all of us, at one time or another, what did we do? We we took it off and we, we put it in the closet. We stopped dreaming. We stopped believing that there was something supernatural about. So basically what you're saying is is that when I was four years old and pretended to be Batman, that what I really should have done is not put the cape away, but, you know, as I approached puberty, early adulthood, I should have continued to have dreams of being Batman. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, you. We stopped believing that we could conquer the world, that we could make a difference, that we could change the world. And we put it in the closet and we just kind of moved on in what we thought was reality. And God says to you, I really believe it's the reason that God brought you and the reason he has you a part of this family is that he wants you to know that you are his hero. You are his heroine, that he has something significant, amazing, and that only someone like you well this is a big ego booster complete shot in the arm to help your self-esteem grow to help your ego grow to magnanimous heights to be completely arrogant and self-absorbed no 
sins mentioned. No, no forgiveness of sins offered in Jesus Christ. Instead, rather than the forgiveness of sins, what we're instead going to be offering you is delusions of grandeur. What sin? I want to be a Jedi. Can do a task that only you can accomplish. That excites me. It gets me so pumped to realize, and I think it breaks God's heart that so many of us are capeless. Really? Where does it say that in the Bible? It breaks God's heart that we're capeless. If God wanted me to have a cape, he would have given me one. And he, I don't need a cape. I need a savior. I need the real hero, Jesus Christ. So many of us have given up. I mean, every once in a while, we, we walk by the closet and we see the, the cape or the towel. If you still have a cape or a towel in your closet that you're still dreaming about and going, I just wish that I could be a superhero. You need to go and have yourself checked in to a mental facility immediately. (laughs) This is for your own good. 5150 at this point. I recommend it. And we remember when we were a kid and we dreamed about being a professional athlete. We dreamed about being the president of the United States. No, when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and be 40 and overweight. (laughs) And I succeeded. (laughs) Or we dreamed about having our own business or our own plane. Or we dreamed about finding a cure for this disease. Or we we just quit dreaming. (laughs) What are you talking about? I think people dream all the time. I think most people have delusions of grandeur all the time. If we could look into the daydream life of most people, it would look like a Calvin and a Hobbes cartoon. <laughs> <sighs> Quit believing. And we just live. Just try to make it through the day. I think it breaks God's heart. That you and I don't really... Yeah, you think it breaks God's heart. Could you give me one passage of scripture that would back up that thought? One. One. I Come on, just anybody, anywhere. One passage of scripture to back that up don't be speaking for god if you ain't got a clear word from god to back it up live with some sense of divine purpose that we don't live knowing that we were made to do something that no one else can do and that hmm, where did this guy get these ideas from if they weren't from the bible oh i know rick warren yes <laughs> god wants to order our steps that god wants to do something Amazing in our life. You know, that's really why we're here at Flamingo. We have a mission. It says that our mission here at Flamingo. He's going to now read the mission statement from the church as part of the sermon. So apparently their mission statement is on par with God's word. Because, you know, what happens at these purpose-driven churches is is that their mission and vision statements, they, they really believe that their vision statement was given to them directly by God. So, I mean, it might as well be a scripture. Oh, yeah, sure. Is to partner with people to reach their God potential. The, the mission statement for Flamingo um, Goat Pen is um, <laughs> to partner with people to reach their God potential. What is that? Okay, uh, could you pa- get one verse? Oh, hang on a second here. I've got a computerized Bible. I'm going to do a word search here. God potential. Hang on a second here. Here we go. God potential. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Nowhere. It's not, not anywhere in the Bible. God potential. Uh, 
Now, I don't mean by God potential that we have the potential to be God's. What I mean is that God has created all of us with a potential, with a destiny, with a purpose. And why is it that your mission statement is so much different than Jesus's? I mean, just want to know. I mean, just a simple question. Why? I mean, let me see here. Luke chapter 24, we read, um, Jesus said, so he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This is Luke chapter 24, verse 45, and we continue. And so uh, he opened their minds so they can understand the scriptures. And then he said to his disciples, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Uh, Is the United States of America in the 21st century one of the nations for which we should be preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins? Duh. (laughs) What's this God potential stuff then? Ugh, I don't know. This is a satanic distraction. This is not what we're called to preach. Or do, or have any, pastor, you're not doing your job. You have some explaining to do. And the reason that we gather is so that you can discover what that is. Now, I got to tell you for the last, really, I thought, you, oh. the reason they gather is so that you can discover your God potential. That's so lame. Oh, this church is full of people. You, there's thousands in there. You should see the video. Three or four weeks. I've spent a lot of time just praying and thinking how to convince you of that. Uh, Well, if it was in the Bible, you you could just open up God's word and start preaching it. You can't do that. No. Because most people don't believe it. Because it's not in the Bible. Most times when I get up and I talk about this kind of stuff, people just kind of glaze over. No, actually, it's making me very mad. I'm seeing red. I feel sick. (laughs) They disengage. Because most people don't believe that their life is really the life of a hero. That God intentionally created them to do something of significance. And as a result, there is not only an authority, but there is a responsibility to do something greater than what we even often believe that we can do. So I've been saying, God, how do I convince them? So this is a purpose-driven gospel, and it's um, it's just as wrong and as heretical as the... Uh word faith gospel how do i get you to walk in what god created you to be well if it was a major theme of scripture you could just open the bible and start preaching it because that's not what pastors are supposed to do you know preach the word in season out of season that kind of thing (laughs) you know i watched our president get sworn in as many of you did and one of the things that he talked often about is our forefathers And talked about how we are today where we are because of what our forefathers did in the beginning. Because of the foundation that they gave our country. Our country is what it is today. Well, the truth is, is that this new thing that God wants to do, because our world looks so different today. God wants to do a new thing? Where does it say that in the Bible? It doesn't. God doesn't want us to do a new thing. He wants us to do the old thing. Preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. Only in Jesus Christ. Nowhere do we read in Scripture about the new thing that God's doing about us achieving our God potential. Than it did just five or ten years ago. God wants to do something new in our planet. God wants to do... Really, where does it say that in Scripture? 
God wants to do something new. That's a damned lie. Do something new in our world. Listen, our world is able to be reached in today like it has never been before. God wants to do something new. God wants to do something fresh. And you. Where does it say that in Scripture, that God wants to do something new and fresh? He said to go and make disciples, and he'll be with us always until the end of the age, which kind of implies that he wants us to do the same thing over and over and over again, generation after generation after generation, preach the word, sound doctrine, until he returns. Nowhere in Scripture we read about it. And then, when, and then Jesus said, and then when you get to the 21st century, what I want you to do is something new and fresh. You as a man, as a woman, as a student, as a child, you are the forefathers that generations from now. Men- we are the forefathers? What? Okay, I'm getting upset. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm feeling anger welling up within me. Oh, just now? <laughs> Dude. Haven't you heard that the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets? They're the forefathers. We're not. This garbage that you're preaching is a lie from the pit of hell. We are not the forefathers. We're the ones who inherited the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. Who've been tasked with the job of making disciples and preaching sound doctrine. Passing along what we've received from our four fathers amen and and women will look back and build upon the foundation that you give them no we're supposed to build upon the foundation of the law and the pro oh my goodness okay hang on a second here doing a little word search (laughs) okay okay Mm mm-hmm Oh, boy. Okay, well, let's see here. We've got... um, Okay, 1 Corinthians 3. Uh, Okay. Oh, Romans. Thus I make my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Okay, hang on a second here. Oh, boy. I'll have to look it up while he's doing, he's rambling because you don't believe it, but neither did our forefathers. I mean, if you read some of the things that they wrote when they were forming what would be the United States of America, Thomas Jefferson said that this idea of self-governing ourselves or democracy was just an experiment. There is no idea that there would be such success in the foundation that they were building or that they were laying. The same is true for you. I know you don't see yourself as a forefather. You you don't see yourself as someone laying a foundation that something great is going to be built upon. But God created you for this time. Uh, No, hang on. I found the passage here. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Funny enough, we're same chapter. Um, If he would just read this in context, he wouldn't be making such stupid statements. Uh, We read um, chapter 2, I'll start at verse 18. For through him, that's Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This contradicts 
exactly what this guy is saying. What this guy is saying is completely against what Scripture says. We are not, we are not forefathers. Not in the Christian faith. Our foundation is built on the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus, who is the cornerstone. No, no. This guy's way off. Like no other time that our world has ever seen, like no other opportunity that the church has ever had, God saw fit to create you with the gifts and the... Like no other opportunity. What are you talking about? Talents and the abilities for such a time as this. And you and I will either step up and we will... Yeah, I smell sulfur. Do you smell sulfur? (laughs) Yeah, that's sulfur, all right. Lay that foundation or we will give an account to God for not living our destiny, for not accomplishing the purpose for which we were created. Oh, okay. So now the sin is if you don't accomplish your destiny. Destiny, destiny, no escaping that for me. You got to step forward and, you know, the reason that that's so important is because of the power that you and I have. Really? I thought we were completely powerless, dead in trespasses and sins, in need of a Satan. Yeah, forget all that. That's out the window. Apparently you are powerful. I am. When we live our destiny. See, when you and I live our destiny together, you know what it's called? It's called the church. Uh, no, that's not what that's called. The church is those who are called out. Let's see, those who've repented of their sins and trust in Christ alone for their salvation. The church, those who abide in Christ and in the apostles' teaching. I don't detect any of the apostles' teaching here because there isn't any scripture. Church is not this building. It's not our building at Doral or Hollandale or Sawgrass or Lima. It's not the other campuses that will begin, the internet campus or those watching on television. The church is you and me. It's the people. And when you and I are the church, when you and I are the people that God created us to be, and not just observers, not just watchers, you know what happens? Is that you and I... Not just observers, not just watchers. Do you remember the Mary and Martha? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have to look that one up here. Mary and, let me, and Martha. Here we go. Okay. For actual biblical teachings. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you you remember the story of Mary and Martha, right? Yep. Okay, so in Luke chapter 10, let's see. Let's let's see if uh, uh, we'll do a little purpose-driven work here. See. (laughs) See if this jives with what this guy's preaching here. Uh, let's see. Um, all right, here we go. Now, now, as they went on their way, this is Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. Uh, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Okay? And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> She was doing nothing but observing and listening, okay? But Martha was distracted with much serving. Apparently, she thought it was her destiny to serve Jesus, right? Yeah. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her to get up and help me. (laughs) (laughs) And the Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good thing, 
which will not be taken away from her. <laughs> Apparently, Jesus is into those observers who just sit around and at his feet and listen to him. Living out our destiny, being the heroes for which God created us. When we do that, crime goes down. Marriages stay together. Wow, we're powerful. The poor are fed. The planet gets taken care of. Sexual abuse stops. And the greed and the self... So we're able to stop sin dead in its tracks, right? Um... Selfishness that caused the financial crisis that we're now experiencing gets destroyed. It's the responsibility of the church. Of you and me. Remember we talked a few months ago about the role of government and how government was created by God to provide a path or an opportunity for you and I to live out what God created us to do. God didn't create the government to take care of crime or to take care of poverty or to give stewardship to the planet. It's our responsibility. We are the hero. We are the heroine that God knit together on purpose to do something significant about the problems that our world, our country, your family, and your neighborhood is experiencing. And only, only when we're the church. That's why I stand here and I plead with you and I beg with you and I will give my life to this because the only hope that our planet has is the church. It... Uh, no, I thought it was Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It's you living out your destiny. You are, you are a superhero. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm a sinner. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, oh boy. You are a heroine and a hero that can change the world. Yeah, I think I need to uh, pull up another passage of scripture real quick here. Itching. Yeah, Second Timothy. For the time is coming. Uh, let me read it in context. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul writing to young pastor Timothy. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in kingdom, to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For a time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching. Today. Yeah, this is an example of that. But having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. This guy is preaching mythology. You are a superhero? Uh, Don't you remember what we read earlier? If he had just read Ephesians 2. (laughs) <laughs> In context, he wouldn't be saying that people were he uh, superheroes. Instead, he would have said something like, you were dead in trespasses and sins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We continue with goat herder gambling or grambling. That's why. That's why what we do is so important. It's so much more than just coming and singing a few songs. And hearing about how to have our, you know, do better with our family or with our money or, or, or with our anger. I mean, those things are all important. And we do all that. But when we gather together, it's so much more than that. Everything hangs on the balance. And it's you. Not, not Washington. Not some other capital in some other country. It's you. It's the church. 
God created to do something of significance that will change the world. He was talking. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to go and make disciples, learners, teaching them everything that Jesus taught. I mean, dude, I'm sorry, compared to how long the sermon, what is this? This isn't even a sermon. Life coaching, this group therapy life coaching session. I mean, compared to all of the words you've used, God's word probably makes up less than 1% of everything you've said. <laughs> Talking about you in Matthew chapter 16. Oh, here comes another verse. I can feel it coming. Verse number 18. Look, at, this is Jesus talking and look at what Jesus says. Jesus says, this is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church you are not doing this. I, huh. He needs to be brought up on spiritual malpractice uh, charges. I mean, seriously. He's quoting Matthew 16, 18 out of context they're very good at doing that yeah he learned this from rick warren church that is so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out now jesus was asking a question he said who do people say that i am and they gave different answers and then he looked at peter and he said peter who do you say that i am and peter said well you're the christ you're the son of the living god and jesus said it's upon that truth that I will build my church right the truth that jesus is the son of the living god Okay, at least he's not putting it on Peter like a Catholic would. Uh, make your point here, Pastor. How does this have to do with our delusions of grandeur? Remember what the church is. The church is you and me living our destiny together. And he said, no, the church is those who are called out through the preaching of the gospel. Called out, repented of their sins, given faith as a gift. And are trusting in Christ. And they gather together to feed on God's word and his sacraments. This church will be so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. When you and I live our destiny together, hell... No, when we preach the gospel and exalt Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, the gates of hell do not prevail against it. You are wrong and you are lying, goat herder flamingo can't stop us that means that whether it's your poverty whether it's disease or whether really jesus said that we will always have the poor with us so how is it that we're supposed to like superheroes eradicate poverty i am poverty man <laughs> and i am here to eradicate poverty because i am a superhero exercising the destiny to which god has called me to I don't think so. Whether it's crime, when you and I are living our destiny together, none of those things can stop us. But you know what the enemy wants to do? The enemy wants to convince you that you're just a mere mortal. No, the enemy wants to make me comfortable and not make me so that I don't realize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Yeah. You're doing a fine job of keeping your victims comfortable and distracted while Satan is sending them to hell. Two people got together one night, and you're the result. And God says, no, 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 you're so much more. You're so much more than that. Whatever the circumstances of your birth, whatever your parents told you, whether you know who they are or not, you were intentionally... See, God got involved, and you were intentionally made for this time to do something of significance. There are great things that... That we can do. And so I ask you this question. Why? Why would you just build a great business? Why would you just make money? Why would you just have a family? 
And why are you putting down entrepreneurs, parents? Those are things that w- to which God calls us to do in our vocations and to serve our neighbors through them. Why are you saying just? You know, if I were to go, if I were to go home and say to my wife, "Honey, why are you just making me dinners? And why are you just taking care of the kids? And why are you just, you know, taking care of the house? Why don't you do something important?" She would clock me. <laughs> She would. (laughs) (laughs) And I would be deserving of a good clocking at that point. Oh, man. Why would you just come to church when there's so much more? Those are great things. But God has created us to do so much, so much more. You know, there have been a few folks already that have went to the closet and taken out the cape just in this last year. And because... Put the cape back in the closet (laughs) and step away from the closet. Because they were willing... To put on the cape because they were willing to be the hero. Man, we've seen God do amazing things. Just last year, there were almost 1,400 people that stepped into that water and were baptized. They put on the God uniform. Why? Because someone was a hero in their life. Uh, What? Put on the God uniform? I would never let him baptize me ever. (laughs) Oh, boy. Just last year, there were thousands of folks who were fed. They wouldn't have had food to eat or water to drink. You know why? Because someone went to the closet and they put on their cape. You know why it's so hard to put on your cape? Because when you do, <laughs> people will laugh at you. Wear a towel to work next week and see what they say. Right? People will laugh at you. See, the moment you start to believe that you're a hero, the moment you start to believe that your life has a purpose, you have a destiny. You know what? I just want to point something out to you folks here. We recently here in the United States uh, had a very interesting thing happen. We had a airliner that landed in the Hudson River in New York City. Okay, the, the, the U.S. Airways flight took off from LaGuardia. And they, the engines ended up ingesting a couple of, <laughs> of birds, uh, really large Canadian geese. Both engines went out, and the pilot successfully landed the airplane in the Hudson River. We've all seen the photographs. We remember the story. And you know what? In the interviews I've heard where people have said to the, the pilot that he was a hero, his response was, I was just doing my job. Wow. Who are the heroes among us? It's the people who are doing their jobs. My heroes are the people who do their jobs. He didn't even think he did something extraordinary. And yet everyone recognizes that really this guy just dedicated himself and his life to being the best pilot that he could be. And as a result of it, when a time of crisis came, he did his job. And I've seen this over and over and over again on people that we've exalted to be heroes over and over and over again. These people have said, I'm just doing my duty. I'm just doing my job. Extraordinary things happen when ordinary people do their ordinary work. People say things, you're you're not a hero. You're just a single mom. You're just a single dad. You, you don't even know how to keep a relation a hero. You don't have any money. You really think you can do something about poverty? 
You're going to serve at that church? You're going to give your money to that church when the economy like it is? You re- yeah, don't give your money to this church because it's not a church. Uh, you can get this stuff for free from Dr. Phil and from Oprah, by the way. You don't need to tithe to get this. Really think that's going to make a difference? The moment you go to the closet and the moment you put on that cape, I am telling you, the world will laugh at you. Where, which of the writings of the apostles or the prophets do we hear this message about putting on a cape and pretending you're a hero? None. Not one. Because the enemy has convinced them that we are mere mortals when God says that we are so much more. No, we're sinners. Um... Ah, boy. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Let's, hmm. Why is it so hard to understand? Why isn't he preaching the Bible? Does he even know what the Bible is? Um, he quotes it out of context. That's not the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Um, let me read to you Romans chapter 5. Again, it's so funny. You know, I keep coming back to the same passages over and over again because the same passages refute these heresies. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The glory of God, not the glory of me. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For, while, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right. Okay. Completely different. Do you you think anyone's being convicted of their sins here? No. No, they're just being manipulated into believing that they need to go and put a cape on. They don't even know about sins. No, they're hearing nothing about sins. Now, how do we do that? See, because the temptation is to try to do it alone. To try to do it in the context of just your family. Oh, okay. So if I want to be a superhero, then really, I got to find a sidekick. Okay, I'm going to be Fat Man. <laughs> Christina, will you be my sidekick? You could be Skinny Girl. <laughs> we can go change the world. Oh, no. Context of just your business. There's something inside of us that if we could, we'd just do it by ourselves because you, you don't get hurt when you do it by yourselves. You, you, you get to do it the way you want to. Where is any of this in the Bible? Oh, yeah, I forgot. We're not preaching from the Bible. When you do it by yourselves. See, it'd be easier if we did what we wanted to, right? Because... We could, uh, we, could just have, we could just have one service. Think about it. One campus instead of six. Just one campus. And then what if we just... You have six campuses? That's six satan- satanic centers of uh, self-esteem. Oh, joy. <sighs> have one service. I mean, we could just all come together, and it would be jam-packed. And, and, and we'd have enough money, and so you could have, like, a cup holder at your seat. And because we wouldn't be any room for new people to come, everybody would know the songs. And, 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 and you know, we could... Now, you, we would have already had the service. You wouldn't have been here. But, but just think about it. If we'd have... But God has given us a different task, hasn't he? See, God's asked us to do this together. Uh, where, where did God ask you to do any of this? And although there might be easier ways... And although there might be different ways, God's asked us to do it together. Look what he did. Do what? 
change the world, apparently. Where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> does it? He gave us the example. It's in John chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. Ooh, so- two verses together. Whoa, this is a purpose-driven record. I think he's actually breaking the rules of purpose-driven preaching. You're not allowed to actually put two verses together when you're preaching. Well, let's see what he does with it. So he, again, the he is Jesus, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. He began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was... You know, you would do a lot better, past, I mean, goat herder, um, uh, goat herder flamingo. You would do a lot better if you would just actually read the whole thing in context and tell us what the Bible actually teaches. I don't see how this verse has anything to do with what you just have been preaching on. Wrapped around him. He says, I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You know what a hero does? A hero takes... Uh, wash his feet so with, the, with the towel cape. <laughs> <laughs> takes this cape from around their neck, according to the scripture. And a hero wraps it around their waist. No, the hero... The hero, Jesus, the hero, the one and only hero, the savior. He's the one who took the towel from around his waist and washed feet, not us, him. And he's called us to do the same. But see, you're not actually preaching the hero. You're preaching us as heroes, which is heresy. The Bible says that Jesus knelt down and he started to wash the disciples feet. A hero isn't someone who just flies in to save the day and then goes away until the next emergency. A hero gets involved. A hero doesn't just watch. A hero becomes a part of the community. <sighs> See, it's so easy to come and just watch. It's so easy to just experience it from a distance. Yeah, like, like Mary did, right? Yeah. I really get involved, not use your gifts and your network and your resources together. It's easy to hang on to them, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Talents. All of us have one, according to the scripture. How is it that this guy has thousands of people you know, attending his church and he's got six satellite campuses you know, pi- piping this garbage in and people are eating this up as if it's the word of God? Stitching years. Every single one of us. For example, the, the musicians at all of our campuses. They all come and they could use that talent just for themselves. But they come even though they get their check from somewhere else. They come and they volunteer their time. And when they come together, you and I are the ones that benefit from that. And I'm sure there have been times when a song that was sung spoke to your heart and encouraged you or challenged you or allowed you to just... I, I highly doubt that. I mean, have you heard the, the pablum that passes off as praise music today? I, I don't. <laughs> this is the air I breathe. Does that speak to your heart? Sense that God was there and that God cared. You know why that happened? It's because there are some folks that took the towel from around their neck, put it around their waist, and gave of their talents. See, they're living their destiny, and as a result, the world will be changed. Same is true for you. 
Some of us, some of us, we never join the community. We come and we sit, we watch, and every once in a while maybe we cheer. But we're not giving our gifts. We're not giving our talents or our network. Did you guys know that who you know? La, 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 la. <laughs> There's no gospel in this at all. <laughs> None. What's, I, so apparently, forget the, the, the real sins mentioned in the Ten Commandments. You know, the, the thou shalt not, you know, all those things. You know, we've, did, did you not give your network? Where is that in the Bible? No matters. That you can go to a restaurant and if you know the right people, you can get a table like that, no matter how crowded it is. Did you know that? You just get right in there. Who you know matters. And all of us know somebody. And God wants to use even your... You know, there's somebody I know. His name is Jesus Christ. He actually died on the cross for the sins of the world. He's offering you full and complete pardon for your wickedness and your sinfulness. Literally, you, yes, you, you, the the person who's been going to church all your life. Yeah, you, the one who committed all those sins that you are absolutely desperately ashamed of, even after you were a Christian, even those ones Christ is offering you full forgiveness for. I know that guy. I want to be known by that guy. Your network. See, there's a temptation to just keep it for your family. There's a temptation just to keep it for your business. There's a temptation just to keep it for yourself. And God wants you to use that network to change the world and the way that God... Where does it say that, that God wants me to use my network to change the world? I don't know. It's in his Bible somewhere. You think so? New message paraphrase? Yeah. Okay. The living message paraphrase. Never mind. Changes the world is through his bride. The Bible says that he gave his life not for our business, but for our church. <sighs> that was that was so close to being a gospel crumb. You know, we call them gospel nuggets. <laughs> Every now and then, these tiny little gospel crumbs fall off the table. That was almost, it was like a half crumb. <laughs> you and me doing life together. The gifts, the ability. I, I don't want to do life with you. <laughs> I, I'd be suicidal after a year at your church. The talents, the network, everything that you have, everything that I have was given to me by God so that we could come together and be this expansive, full of energy church that changes the world. But when we hang on to where does it say in the Bible we're supposed to change the world? We're supposed to preach the gospel. Yeah. Make disciples. It doesn't say anything about changing the world. You set out with the job of making disciples and the world changes. It, but God is the one who does the changing, not me. Do it ourselves and keep it all right here. The world keeps going the direction it's going. People go without food. Do you hear sappy music? Oh, no. Here comes the sappy music. Food. Marriages disintegrate. No one. I wonder if he can cough up a tear here. Hang on. One to look to or to be encouraged by. He's kind of got that Bill Clinton lip thing going on right now. Kids grow up not knowing what decisions to make. But we come, but we watch. See, the sappy music really just makes it. <laughs> I need a tissue. We never take the towel from around our neck and put it around our waist. (laughs) 
You have a responsibility. Not to me, but to God. I'm not asking you to join this church, but I'm asking you to join the mission that God has given us. It's not an easy one. We've tr- has he even clearly defined the mission yet? Yeah. Apparently, the the only other thing I'm getting from this is that the mission is I'm supposed to go grab a towel and put it on as a cape, <laughs> and believe that I'm a hero so that I can run out and change the world. And then when I when I once I'm out changing the world, I have to take the cape off and use it to wash feet. That's all I'm getting from it too. Tried to define it. We've talked about how God's called us in our time to run after 50 campuses, 100,000 folks attending on the weekend, and 100,000 people going to hell in a church. $50 million a year to change the world. That's not easy. It's a difficult task. It's an overwhelming task. It's this guy literally wants 50 campuses and 100,000 people attending his so-called church every week. Wow much easier like i said first just to have one a lot of churches do they just have one and to hell with everybody else we could do that but it's not what god's called so if you go to a church and you only have you know a service to feed a few people then apparently your attitude is to hell with the world because you're not doing enough to to reach them right what's to do forget the fact that that's the way the church has been operating for two thousand years so they all went to hell too. Apparently, you know, it's not like apparently the church didn't reproduce itself. No one became Christians from the time that Jesus died and ascended to heaven until this guy showed up. Uh, See, I want to ask you to not come just because you like the worship. To not come because you get something from the teaching. I want to ask you to come because of the task that God has given us. Because of the Well, let's see. I can come and get busy. Why would I want to go to a church like that? Or I can go to a church where I'm going to be fed the word of God and receive the sacraments and hear about the forgiveness of sins offered in Jesus Christ and him crucified for my sins. Hmm. The call that he's put on our life because of the destiny that we were created for. Because if you just come for the worship, they'll eventually do a song that you don't like. Maybe they even did today. So I do not like that. It's goofy, right? right I'm going to do something that just ticks you off. Because you're skin and I'm skin. You know, and there's something about skin and skin. They just, you know, they make love or make war. And usually they start out making love and then make war, you know. If you just come for those things, you won't be here long. But if you come for the task... If you come for the destiny, if you're willing to take your cape and put it around your waist, it'll change the world. That's what the Bible says. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that anywhere. That's what, not in the Bible. But you're about. So I want to... No, I'm not. I give you an opportunity today at all of our campuses. Those of you here at Cooper City, those of you that are watching on television and at the internet campus, if you would, get your phone. Just pull out your phone. Would you do that? All right, I know you have been dying to check out your email anyways, so you can do it right now. All right, pull out your phone. And what I'm going to ask you to do is if you're willing to say, you know what, I want to be a part of that. I'm going to live my destiny. I'm going to make a... In the old days, they used to do altar calls. Are we doing a text message call? Uh, Is this where this is going? Kingdom difference. I'm going to live my purpose. What I want you to do... It's there in that outline. Is I want you to text FRC 
Got to put FRC and then your name and text it to 99503. And it's going to appear right up here behind me. You are kidding me. No, it's a text message call. All right. Now, hold it. Before you do it, I want you to look this way. Before you do it, look this way. Only, hear me, only if you're serious. Because I'm telling you, when you go to the closet and you get out the cape, they're going to laugh at you. You're going to have all kinds of reasons why not to be the hero that God created you to be. Why not to do it together? You're going to, hey, can I tell you something else? You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. But you will never be more fulfilled. You will never do anything that is more valuable or more important than living the dream that God has put in your heart and created you to do. And so let's respond to the dream that God has put in. So there's people who are texting him and it's going up on the... the... In our heart. Uh, Boy, that was painful. My ears hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um... Wow, I, uh, um, that was not Christian at all, was it? No. Okay, um, we're uh, we're um, we're at the end of our program today, and uh, that was uh, really bizarre that was and painful. Yeah, that was painful. Why was it painful? Because the guy actually wasn't preaching God's word, and what he was preaching contradicted God's word straight up. He didn't give us the gospel, and at the end, he. We've got, this is some kind of a new social gospel. Don't you remember liberalism was built off the social gospel? This is nothing more than some kind of a new version. It's neoliberalism. No Christ. No Christ. None whatsoever, except for Jesus, the guy who set the example, who took his cape off to wash feet. Supposed to run around half naked and change the world? Yeah, well, keep this in mind. Jesus truly was naked when he was hanging, bleeding on the cross for your sins. That's the message of Christianity, not this other goofy stuff. We I don't we got to pray that this guy doesn't get to his 50 campuses and 100,000 people who are attending every Sunday to hear this. It's completely powerless to save anybody cuz it's not Christianity, it's not even sound doctrine. Anyway, want to remind you, uh, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio, and we we need your help to pay the bills and pay our programming fees and other things like that. You can support us several ways. One is you can uh, send a gift to uh, Fighting for the Faith at Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 56038, or you can log into uh, fightingforthefaith.com and click on the Donate Now button. Anyway, um, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sitting in today, Christina. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. All right. Until next time, uh, God bless you, and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow.